0: You are listening to the Intimate Breath podcast and this is Lore. Here we share personal stories and have open conversations about everything related to intimacy and sexuality. How can we invite more of our erotic power in all areas of our life and create more well-being? That's what this is about. Welcome. Today I'm here with Litada. She's a colleague and inspiration of mine. I let her introduce herself later in the beginning of this podcast, and we have some super interesting conversations about gender identity, gender fluidity, and sexual orientation. How do we create safe and inclusive spaces, and how do we live and work from pleasure? Have a great listen. Lee, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you on this podcast and talk with you about a few things that have that I felt really sparked to ask you about. Do you first want to start introducing yourself, however it comes today, playful, serious, Uh, however?
1: Thank you
2: for having me on your podcast. It feels like an honor. And um, I guess also I'm invited because we have a personal experience together and uh, you joined my um, retreat. And that particular retreat was focusing on exploring our inner gender fluidity using tools from movement, dance, theater, kink, and explore our sexuality. And I would say maybe Planet Me, this event is kind of the, what would you call it? The epicentrum Mm. (laughs) of things that I love to explore in one place. Um, but um, otherwise, I call myself a lust and intimacy coach, and I support people to listen to their bodies and to find more pleasure in their bodies that is there, accessible, but we're not used to being with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And for many people, that might mean also to get in contact with other emotions in the body that we haven't been wanting to deal with very, either consciously or unconsciously we are often a bit disconnected from our bodies and emotions from the past and attachment patterns and intergenerational and we can go very far back but there's a lot of history in the body and then when we open our eyes to it then we can understand much better how we function and Mm. see ourselves as perfect beings for those who we are and
0: make better choices. Uh, I love how you described all of that. And you already mentioned what I wanted to mention for sure. And that's the reason why I invited you here. It's your event, Planet Me. I know a lot of people in my network that have known your work for longer and they're very excited about you and a uniqueness about what you bring to the world. Something that people keep on saying over and over is how you blend worlds that often are separated from each other queer gender, queer communities, and however you would call the conventional communities, uh, or Tantra even. Tantra is often very male, female. um,
2: Sometimes it's a bit heteronormative
0: depending on where
2: you go. And there's an idea that it's uh, yeah, divided men and women, but it's mm -hmm. also changing a lot.
0: Yes, exactly. And then also with the black community, So I've heard lots of positive things about you, but it's only recently that I joined your event, Planet Me, and it was such a rich experience for me and has also inspired the work I am bringing already a lot just by those four days of joining you. So um, that's also what I wanted to talk about. I'm curious if you want to say a bit more about this blending of worlds and how you became that bridge, where your passion comes from.
2: Yeah, I I love the word bridge, and it has helped me to identify who I am and what I stand for because I see myself as a bridge person. And I remember already before I came into pleasure and intimacy, I was living in Mozambique and I was dancing Lindy Hop, which was an African or is an African American dance. And I started to teach that in, in Mozambique. And there was this idea of there's something missing because we have this African-American dance, mainly danced by white people. And then we have these amazing dancers in Mozambique who, with their roots and, and rhythm and connection with the earth and each other and the rhythm, they had something that I found that the dance was missing. And I didn't have what was missing. I wasn't the best Lindy Hop dancer in the world and I wasn't, I'm not from Mozambique, but I can see that there's something here that needs to be connected. So at the time I was running or being in in front of this Afro swing movement to bring the African roots back into the swing dancing and the Lindy Lindy Hop world and I think that is the beginning of this constant journey of seeing that these people have this thing and those people have this thing, and they're not really communicating and they need what they have. And how can I build that bridge mm-hmm.
1: in between?
2: If you would see me now, you would see me building a lot of bridges with, of bridges with my hands. Um, And then I was running cultural projects between Mozambique and Sweden. And then there was like, okay, I want to bring this rich Mozambican culture to Sweden, but if they just walk in and teach the same way as they would teach at home, where people are very advanced and used to rhythm and easy to follow footwork and have a different connection, then the Swedish people, can't follow and they want to understand more like, no, you need to count and I want to know left and right and left. And they want, like, <laughs> well, they just listen to the rhythm and just follow the flow. And so, so again, we people function in different ways. And but behind it, we are all the same. So when it comes to the queer community and the non queer community, There's also this idea that it's like us and them. So it's like, oh, we are the Swedish people and they are the Muslim people and we are so different. Oh, here's the heteronormative people and here are the queer people. It's like, we are different planets. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And for me, Planet Me is an attempt to say like, no, we're not. Let's create a new planet where we all can fit. Mm -hmm. But you have to be open to want to be in the same planet as everyone else.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And... When coming back to to heteronormative or queer, I actually have so many friends and a lot of older people who identify as straights and cis, but when they talk about themselves, they talk about themselves actually in quite a queer way, but they're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. So they might say that, um, well, I am um, I'm a woman and I'm married to a man. But I never had the experience of anything else, so who knows? And I happen to be body or be born into this body, so I call myself a woman, but I don't really necessarily identify myself with that, mm-hmm. or I see myself as much more. And I've always been like a more of a boyish girl when I grew up, or things like that. And if if they were born today, or if they were young today, maybe they would have identified as non-binary. But there was no such language at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to a sex therapist and she has been working in the queer community for like 25, 30 years. And she said, like 20 years ago, you would have this huge community of dykes of like masculine, lesbian women. And it's a strong identity of being a masculine, lesbian woman. Mm-hmm. While if you are a masculine person in a woman's body now, and you're 15, then you're non-binary. Yes. So this identity of the masculine women is disappearing mm-hmm. because we're using new boxes to put ourselves in. Mm-hmm. So this with a bridging is to give people an experience of what it is to be fluid in our bodies. And that then each person can choose what they want to call themselves or how they identify themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: to get to the experience that we're not that different.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But depending on what community we're hanging out in and how we are being accepted outside, then we choose different language and we have opportunities to explore more of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I kissed my first girl when I was 24.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if I say that I had got into a heteronormative um relationship when I was 23 and then maybe I got a kid I would never have explored who I am today because I would have locked myself with that It's like oh this is who I am yes Mm. and I think it also binds together with us being always in change as humans it doesn't mean that I think one like oh I'm not gay today and tomorrow if you open for it you're going to be gay but if you take your life on a long perspective from who you are when you are 20 until you are when you are 60 or 70 you're going to be so many different people yeah as soon as you put yourself in a box you're going to limit we limit our capacity for expansion
1: Mm -hmm.
2: both to allow that fluidity both when it comes to what we enjoy in life what we find peace in what kind of people we want to hang out with who we are attracted
0: to and how we identify ourselves Mm -hmm. and in my personal experience sometimes it's needed to uh, for me at least to take on a box to integrate that part of me to feel more and more okay with those qualities inside of me and then it can change again uh, once once that process has happened and there are new things that I want to explore about myself or um accept about myself
2: yeah thank you for adding that um i think the boxes are super important mm. and when you're a younger person today and you feel outside of your community and not seen and then you find another community who have like this is the queer community or this is that community i think they're super important
0: mm-hmm.
2: just to know that they are part of a process yeah Of the expansion that can can change beyond that box that it
0: can change yeah yeah so i have been struggling with my own events wanting to be um, queer friendly uh, queer inviting also with this idea of like for me the gender i don't really care how personally how they would call me Um, i feel comfortable with the all the qualities and Generally, I'm, you know, I'm. I feel woman, but I don't feel super attached to it, like your friends, uh, like you mentioned them. But I've noticed that I've been trying to create a, some kind of balance in the group, so that you know I didn't have to deal with some mainly male participants feeling uncomfortable with a lot of other male participants, without you know if they identify as heterosexual uh, cis men. And mainly, already before I went to Planet Me, but also mainly since I went to Planet Me and talked with some more people there also, I realized like, that's not what I wanna do. Like, I don't wanna be the kind of facilitator who's worrying about the gender balance and then still trying to use inclusive words in my invitation, but in a way I'm still trying to control who's there and still putting those boxes there. And I wanna be that kind of person who's just like, this is a group that came here and I'm not a dating, uh, I'm not creating a dating community here. I'm actually providing a space where we can explore intimacy and, you know, with whoever is in front of us. Um, And so my question to you is how, do you have tips for people that have a business, that create events, that have communities that maybe don't have a lot of experience with being more inclusive and bridging? Like, what would be some simple tips? To start with, it's not so simple. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine?
2: And um, I think it's about also accepting that there is no such space as all-inclusive because the presence of one might be the unsafety of the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more true we are to what people we are inviting, even if that excludes people, then the safer the space will be. Yeah. If that makes sense. A lot. So it's if you want heterosexual cis men uh, and uh, queer and trans people in the same space, probably automatically it's not going to be safe. Mm. With that said, it's not going to be safe unless they have agreed to be in that space together and
0: they are there because they want to be in such space. Absolutely. I would tell everyone yeah. that that's what they're signing up for, right? Yeah. yeah. So if we are hosting groups,
2: whether either it's just we are exploring meetings and how to get to know each other, and you're going to explore who, with whoever that is, Um But then, not so sexually, then it does, then it's not so complicated Mm -hmm. because then it's like inquiries and getting to know each other, and um, and then it's easy to assume that you can just be with anyone. But as soon as you're also working with intimacy, people have certain expectations. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So, in my groups, if I have all gender, I say that this is for people who are curious to explore intimacy with people independently of gender mm-hmm.
0: so you're saying your focus is on just being really clear in what kind of space people are entering yeah. so they can include themselves yeah. or exclude themselves or
2: exclude themselves so if you are a person and if you're a male and you only want to interact with women then maybe my workshop space is not the ideal for you but then i can recommend somewhere else that you go
1: mm-hmm.
2: So then we have Yuan Ekenberry who has sweden's biggest tantra education and he divide women male and or women and men in different exercises and if you feel like you fit into that box you can go to that place yes yeah
0: there are some assumptions here that i want to check with you <laughs> but um, having met you on planet me it looks like you identify also as polyamorous or you like open relating is that true yeah yeah And for me, so I like one of the things that you stand for is also like everyone is queer uh, in a way, you know, and maybe
2: explain explain that a little bit for those who are listening. Yes, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) Um, I believe that we all have a capacity to be more fluid than most of us have brought up into being because of gender norms in society and because of the relationships we move into, we get a bit stuck and we don't explore our full potential as human beings. And if you do spiritual practice, in most of the spiritual practices, as you move beyond this body, when you move up to your higher self, most people have experienced that that we are beyond gender. And this can be super heteronormative um, masculine guru, but when he goes to that place, he's beyond gender, and he will say that too. And then we are on this world, in this dualistic world, and and the journey is to come back to the non-duality. So I find that the non-duality and the non-binary, they are like maybe the non-binary is on the earth, and the non-duality is in the spirit world.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the more we open up to our physical capacity on earth, we can be more and more queer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: With that said, everybody doesn't have to do that. And if we find that like, oh, I didn't feel like this and I like this kind of people and that makes you feel good, then great. Yes. Uh, but I, but for, for whoever is curious, I think there is a capacity
1: mm-hmm.
2: to, um, to, to open up for more queerness if that is the word, or fluidness. Mm -hmm. And um, in Tantra, we work a lot with the yin and yang energy that I like to say better than masculine and feminine, because you can be a mother in your doing for your child, you know, mother energy, but you're in a yang energy, which is the doing. Mm -hmm. And the more we explore those inner polarities, then the more we can also start to play with that what is what is man what is woman and and move beyond um but what i want to say with this too um before i come back to your question you said before that you don't care what people call you and you identify as a woman and uh, i'm the same i'm gender fluid but i normally go by she i dress as a she sometimes i dress like a he and which means that for for me and you, it's not so important because to be called as she and be seen as a woman that is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But if you have been put in your box your whole life, and you live in a community where when you wanted to be something different than you were born into, that has been you've been receiving a lot of of, of resistance towards that, then you have been have to fight for your gender identity. Um, So that's another thing that we can talk about. Oh, everybody can be queer, but we also have to recognize that there are queer people who suffer a lot of violence and even death Mm -hmm. for insisting on their identity or expression. And I think that those two polarities are really important. Mm -hmm. Especially again, we're talking about bringing queer curious people into the queer community or merging them, and to respect the different journeys that people are coming from mm-hmm. and um, and respect that for some people the pronoun is not important, but for someone else it's really, really important. And then you are coming to a queer inclusive space to feel fully, fully seen and respected. And then if there's somebody there who's misgendering or not
0: taking you seriously, then you don't feel safe.
2: Absolutely.
0: And you kind of came to what I actually wanted to start talking about, um, the importance of boxes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to give some context on a personal level again. I have been with women, with men, um, falling in love with you know whoever, <laughs> uh, regardless of how they identify or which body they have from a very young age. And that wasn't for me any struggle to um, to accept that I'm bisexual or however I would call it. There are so many names for it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's a part of being polyamorous that took me a lot longer and a lot more challenge. And in a way, um, you know, my... Uh, I've recently had a breakup and my mother had this very very sweet caring but also a tiny bit upsetting thing that she told me like I don't know why you make it so complicated for yourself I know you would be happy in a monogamous relationship <laughs> you know and in a way to me that feels like saying to a gay person wouldn't it be way simpler to be heterosexual you know that's how it feels to me if it's really like an identity that I've also been in a way fighting for for myself to take on to Mm. uh, stand for to be okay with mainly Mm. with myself Mm. and I noticed that I'm more and more ready to also let go of that if that would change um Mm. and I'm just curious if you have some personal story there or or some part that was a little bit more challenging for you to to take on or that there was some fighting for those are uh, two very different questions so let me start with similar okay.
2: let's keep to the topic of polyamory yeah when my brother came out uh, to my parents and said that he was polyamorous he was pretty much It was it would have been easier if he had said that he was gay than that he was polyamorous <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> And, and my dad said also, like, oh, it will pass, that kind of thing. And my dad and my brother, were like, really upset and, like, left the room and, you know. And um, I guess I didn't have the, to have the talk because he had it before and they kind of just read between the lines, speaking <laughs> to people. <laughs> um, but... Um, I think it's been really important for me as well to identify as polyamorous. And when I say identify as polyamorous, for me, it means that I have the capacity to love many people. And I also have the capacity to be physically intimate with several um, people or in, um, in relationships at the same time. And when we open up to that, from a healthy place then it just feels supernatural as if anything else would be unnatural Mm -hmm. because when you are in the present moment with one person then if you're fully there and you love them you're gonna you love them and then that's not exclusive if you are super present with another person it's like you have many children Mm -hmm. and one the love towards one doesn't exclude the other so i don't think that will ever move out of my system i think this this fluidity is more about expanding than going back to restriction Mm -hmm. so say that you identify as gay and people like oh but you have trauma with women and maybe you should like you know (laughs) see if you can be with a woman and I know some, some men who identified as gay and then when they're like 30, suddenly they meet one woman and they like fall in love. But then after that particular person doesn't mean they don't want to be with men again. Mm-hmm. Like you've changed box to the other. Like if you have the capacity to love all, you're not going to shut doors again. I think we're going to stay open. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I what I do... Um, C is that it's more about what kind of open relating do you want to have? So I think that I could have a monogamous relationship maybe in the future, but it wouldn't look like a monogamous relationship to traditionally monogamous people. Mm-hmm. But in comparison to fully open where you can do anything with everyone, it could probably be more like, I don't feel like having sex with anyone else. Mm -hmm. Not because I'm not allowed to, but because me and this person, we just feel so connected that suddenly my necessity to be with other people might diminish. Mm -hmm. And also it might that i want to be physical so it is still a bit open in relationship to 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 what other people might think so because i'm a sensual being Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so i'm never gonna stop that that extrovertedness of my sensuality i'm never gonna i don't think i will ever shut that in Mm -hmm. and that is already too much openness for some people yes the way i look at people the way i touch people the way i can just lie and cuddle with people that i can be in a play party and and uh, give a sensual massage to to someone i've never met i will always have that but that's already for me moving out of relationship because it has become a way of just being among people Mm -hmm. which is more open than most people
0: are i resonate a lot with that yes and in a way, that example of the gay person and then falling in love in a hetero way and still have it for me it comes down to feeling the choice. So once we feel okay with who we are and our uh, sexual orientation, we can still choose to then, you know, intentionally limit ourselves because it feels worth it for us or because um, that feels most important for us at that time for whatever reason it doesn't take away the capacity to love and the capacity to be close to others in a physical way um, and, and I think now uh,
2: I feel like triggering you just for fun <laughs> maybe your mother also has a point point. and when I say that do you get triggered
0: <laughs> no actually not <laughs> I'm very curious what you're gonna say <laughs> but in a different way
2: so I don't think it's like a phase that will move through and suddenly we want to go back to a traditional monogamous relationship, but it might be a phase where we want to have this full openness, where I want to be at festivals and I want to play and I want to go to play parties and I want to explore. I think that we don't have that energy for the rest of our life. It's going to move into phases. And then when we move out of that, like super extroverts phase, then we might long for one secure person to relax and do other things and maybe to be with so many people is not so important. Mm-hmm. But then it comes from a place place of necessity, not of, of limitation of the other person. Then it becomes mm-hmm. like, oh, you and me want the same thing now. We want to chill in the forest. And then just go on traveling the two of us and do something. And, and so I think that can change. Absolutely, And then we might be ready to meet another kind of partner when we are in that phase. Mm-hmm. than when we are in the phase of, oh, I just want to explore myself in many different ways.
0: Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I think when I mentioned uh, that I'm more and more ready to let go of that identity,
2: mm-hmm. it's
0: not um, like we just mentioned, it's not the capacity to like, I think I'm always going to be polyamorous. But it's feeling indeed that shift of, wow, once it felt great to just have all the freedom that I want. And now actually, I would love to be in those spaces, um, sex positive spaces. And I love to have this sense of I have a partnership and I'm taking that into account and there's someone there, a home mm-hmm. that I have with someone. So if, if yeah, I feel a little bit, um, this feels a little bit vulnerable and sensitive talking about just because of the breakup, yeah, uh, yeah. feels like a very, uh, a life topic for me and, and the belief that, you know, I can have the freedom that I really long for in a relationship. And it doesn't need to be all the freedom. It just, there's just a need for a certain amount and still have the kind of partnership and family that i'm longing for yeah. too um i anyway. haven't
2: fixed that yet either so <laughs> <talk to> you didn't <laughs> you
0: you have a magic tip there <laughs> I've, I've said i've
2: always said like you should only teach what you are congruent with what you already have experience with mm-hmm. so i teach attachment and attracting Uh, better partners, but I don't teach long-term relationships. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm not in one. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the attachment part here is is really essential because what you said is this longing of freedom and at the same time longing for the security. And whether we are open to be polyamorous or not, Uh, can be very connected to our attachment. And I think only when we have developed a secure attachment, can we have a secure relationship? And then that can be monogamous or polyamorous. Mm -hmm. But as long as we are uh, in a place where we need a lot of connection and feel lonely easily, and we have an anxious attachment, um, then it's going to be super challenging to be in an open relationship. And if you're avoidant, so which means that maybe you didn't get enough freedom when you were a child, or your mother was holding on to you a little bit too much, or your your needs were not met, so you but you solved solved it by just taking care of yourself. And then then it's easier to not attach yourself and just have a few lovers and no one needs anything from you. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, there are some people who say that um, polyamorous is just a way of being avoidant in relationships. Mm. And, and for some people, yes. Uh, but polyamory in its true essence definitely is not mm-hmm. for me. And, but I think it's honest, uh, or it's important to be honest with oneself and, and see how these patterns affect us as we move into relationships.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I love how you also mentioned that all these patterns, they can come up in any kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, like whether like a monogamous relationship can come from trauma and an open relationship as well. And yeah. Yeah. And both can be healthy. Yes. So there's um there's one other topic that I would love to talk with you about which is we both work in the field of intimacy and sexuality and pleasure Mm -hmm. embodiment. And so it's in a way obvious that that's a part of our work because it's, you know, it's a topic. Um, But beyond that, I'm super curious to talk about how you integrate pleasure and embodiment in how you work and how it's integrated in having a business and navigating that for yourself curious if you have some favorite practices or tools to do that task that you feel very resistant to or
1: Hmm.
2: let me see where i start i am i'm part of a of a um, business coaching program at the moment and i the question that i asked them today was do you have any tips for not losing your work duties during the summer (laughs) because some people they work really hard and they have a difficulty of letting go so they overwork and burn out and they don't find time for pleasure while I'm a pleasure coach so I'm really good at that and I'm better at not working (laughs) <laughs> if there's a bigger risk that i put my business aside and don't earn money than that i will overwork myself <laughs> um, which wasn't true in the past because i have had burnouts in short periods as well when i went into a project that i really burned for and then i went into that place as well but what i would like to to say now the balance is uh, definitely for me to make sure that I am feeling good in myself and one of the biggest practices has actually been generally slowing down Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and uh, living in Mozambique also brought this rhythm into life and slowness of seeing people into a daily living Here you can go on a retreat and you're all conscious and eye contact and then you go back to daily life and you're just rushing over. So you're not actually changing who you are. You're just changing it for the weekend and then you're going back to who you were before. So living in in Mozambique made me having to slow down because I was the only rat like running around and they're looking at me like, why are you so crazy? You know, Mm -hmm. Like, what, are you doing three things in one day? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) still, this is not good for you. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) So for me, it's been to adapt a bit of that lifestyle into my Swedish lifestyle, which means um, finding ways of enjoying walking, of uh, cleaning, of daily chores, Breathing, like when I think of myself, I'm just gonna to rush to the toilet, and then I'm like, I'm not gonna to rush to the toilet. I'm gonna to walk <laughs> to the toilet, and then I'm gonna consciously pee. <laughs> I think those mini, micro moments of slowing down really shifts our baseline, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people they have a very high stress level as a baseline, mm-hmm. and then they meditate or do yoga where they relax and then go straight up. Mm-hmm. But then to have a healthy living, we need to shift. So that our baseline is that slower pace. And then from that slower pace, then organization has been challenging for me because I like to go more with the flow. But to have a structure of running a business, of having an assistant where we have working hours and we set up the schedule for the week what are the emails I need to be sent? What are the posts that I need to put on Facebook? And getting more structure and organization and having somebody to work with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if I don't do, it, it's kind of like, hey, now it's time to do that thing. Um, and do things much earlier in time. Open up courses and things much earlier. Mm-hmm. So these are things that I've been like for the last three, four years. Like every year it's been a little bit better. Well, in the beginning, I just didn't do anything through the whole summer. And then August came and then I hadn't booked anything. And then I got a lot of anxiety and then I couldn't get anything done. and I got stressed and then I didn't put anything up and then like, oh shit, but I should put something up. And then I put it up like two weeks before. And then I get super stressed about um, super marketing, bad strategies, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I get tired of talking about it.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So... Mm-hmm. Um, what my my business program right now is really supporting with it's called uh, uh, detail it's a swedish in, in Stockholm, or no in sweden is that being a coach is about being in relationship with people and if i move away from oh i have to market myself and i go back to the core why do i do what i do because i want to be in relationship with people yeah which means that I post about things that I think is important in my life and then hopefully will support people. And then when people comment or ask things, then I want to get to know them and I know why is this important. And obviously eventually this will lead to people buying into my courses, but it's really a shift on the inside to dealing, I'm I'm running a business, but I am in relationship with every person at all times. Mm-hmm. and it's from that relationship that people want to work with me and i want to work with people that i'm in a relationship with it's a because you can't coach people who feel like they've been pushed into something right mm-hmm. and people it's a mutual exchange you want to be supported and i'm here to give the support and it's a match mm-hmm. in between two people mm-hmm. so putting down the pressure and get more structure and then focus on each little relationship. Mm-hmm. The way I speak to people when I'm in a festival, or if I chat with someone, or if I'm writing someone, everybody are people that I care about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, would you mention just the, the baseline of this, the stress lowering down that it's, yeah. and too high stress is an antidote for the relationship and for the business and for uh, your pleasure level and totally feeling alive you're not
2: so feel it yeah. that you're stressed or you're worrying about money or
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know and it transmits so it's really about being who i want to be first mm-hmm. otherwise i can't i can't transmit anything so it also comes down to constantly continuing to do courses or therapy for myself so that i'm constantly updated to the latest version of myself yeah so it's a combination
0: yeah so as we're wrapping up this call how can people find your amazing work
2: Mm. well you can find me on uh, facebook or instagram litada i call myself Lust coach on instagram Mm -hmm. you can also find me on litada.com and then you can read more about my uh, courses and retreats. And I work in Stockholm with women and do a women's retreat. It says women with an X and women with an X means that you can have be identified female at birth or have the experience of being a woman, but maybe you don't identify as a woman at the moment, but you want <laughs> to be in that kind of space. Um, but again, it's um, people think well, if you're queer, why do you do a woman's space, right? <laughs> and um, when we are in that space, then we are exploring our full capacity beyond the gender. But what happens when we are only female bodies in the, in the space or people who identify as women in, in the space is that people dare to take down their walls more. And I wish it wasn't like that so that we could just mix all the time. Mm-hmm. But certain things need separatistic spaces mm-hmm. um, for healing mm-hmm. before we can move out in the more mixed. So I do, yeah, combine these different different aspects. And you can also have a call with me. I offer a free call of 30 minutes if there's
0: something that you want to explore or write to me, yeah. Yeah. I adore how you talk about all of this and I feel really inspired and I'm sure a lot of other people who listen to this as well. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I can say that I uh, really
2: appreciated this uh, conversation and I think these topics are really, uh, really important. And, um, and I think people know when they're ready to go deeper and I think these, these platforms are needed where where this is an option. Mm-hmm. When people come to work with me, some people come only for the pleasure part or they just want to you know, get a bit of better sex life. And then when I press the button of, of the wounds or the behaviors, then they don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe they're not ready and that's okay. So I think uh, being honest and open and straight what we're doing, we will attract people. Already, so if you're listening and feel what you call treffad and you feel hit by what we share here, Mm -hmm. I hope that you see that as an opening to go deeper. Whether you do that with us, but if you go elsewhere, follow that Mm -hmm. impulse going deeper. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and I also had a one on one intro call with you, and on itself, it's just a pleasure to meet Lee and get a sense of whether you're ready or not (laughs) to go deeper. So thank you for those ending words.